0: I think this time around we've got a legitimate cause for football-related suicide. It's uh, it's pretty awful, isn't it?
1: Awful. So let's deal with this one match at a time. Blackburn at home. Much like when you said Wolves were quite good, you decried Blackburn as completely rubbish. I remember feeling a little nervous tension when you said that in last week's show. But I think I predicted 4-1 win and you predicted uh, 4-0, I think. But it, it was neither of those. It was 3-2 to Blackburn Rovers at Old Trafford.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like uh, I'm not sure in reverse whatever it is whatever I predict is completely wrong at the moment so yeah do not listen to me and then place money on the basis of that. Yeah, Blackburn uh, were full value for their victory, weren't they?
1: Oh, They, they, they were way the better side.
0: Way, way the better side and, and this this is not some mid-table up-and-comers or anything like this. This is bottom of the league. A, a team where the, the fans are on the players' back and particularly managers' back and everyone wants change. Everyone right now, if you took a bet, would say, or at least you know, 15 minutes before the game kicked off at Old Trafford, would say Blackburn were certainties to go down and, and somehow they contrive to dominate a game against the champions at at Old Trafford of all places
1: they, they didn't dominate exactly in the first part of the game the, the, their goal came from a counter attack but it, you know it went to 2-all and at one point you would have just absolutely been certain that United would win even last night when we played Newcastle with we 2-0 down I was thinking 10 years ago I would really have thought we would have come back from 2-0 down at, at uh, St James's but it just didn't ever look on the cards and, and the fact that Blackburn won from that 2-all position that we fought back to wasn't even that much of a surprise
0: no no, no. I mean, the thing, the thing is, right? It's, it's not that you expect Blackburn to go out and dominate possession and and um, dominate United in that way. It's, it's the fact that their game plan worked. Exactly what they wanted to happen worked. You know, they soaked up most of United's pressure and they were able to counter and they were very powerful up front. Yuki was excellent uh, as he has been most of the season for them. Uh, excellent buy given the the cost. And it is exactly what they needed to do. And and the last half hour, you're right. I mean, after after Burbank but of scored just, well, just past the hour wasn't it there was almost nothing came from United and I was just, you're really surprised you're waiting where's the, where's the deluge you know it's, uh, you think of Clive Tilsley in 99 this is United they always score well it is you're right they just didn't feel like that and, and when Blackburn got the winner there was nothing after that either just wasn't that surprising
1: um, midfield of Park and Raphael might not be the future I'm just putting it out there yeah radical suggestion that one I mean you, you looked
0: at that team sheet and you thought oh F dot 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 I, I fail to remember more than a couple of occasions when Parker's excelled in central midfield and it's always been when there's been two others and he's he's been the kind of guy pushing on to the, the creative play. I mean you, you think about that Milan game in the Champions League and, and think well that that's where Parker's excelled when he's played through the middle. Raphael I, I know he had that game against Barnsley in the Carling Cup, right? But I, I don't remember another time that he's ever he's ever played in central midfield. And I, I think in a way and, and it, it wasn't just that it wasn't just that there's injuries. It, it was that United shifted so many players out of position as well. I mean, I was counting up before the game, I, th- I think there were something like seven players playing in their wrong position. So, it's one thing that you've got injuries and you have to you know, bring in other players. The fact that Sir Alex is so prepared to push players around, in, and, and players that could have been in their right position, out of position, right? And and he won't rely on the youth players, so he, he's doing that. So, I mean, it all around, it was a complete comedy, and that that central midfield kind of summed it up, really.
1: The, the point about players out of position, I got to work then on the Tuesday and a mate of mine said, it's like Fergie was doing an FA Cup draw in central defence. Oh, number 16, Michael Carrick, you know, in central midfield. Oh, look, Raphael, it's mental.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I called it formation bingo. You really could have stuck.
1: I mean, obviously the goalkeeper was
0: in there. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't. He wasn't a bit tempted to stick the goalie on the wing. But, but you basically took 10 players, you chucked them into a big tombola, didn't you? And you pulled one out and go, okay you're playing left back it was it was insane
1: so one of the key talking many key talking points from that game uh, I just want to very briefly mention a positive Dimitar Berbatov's second goal came from a really magnificent pl- piece of centre forward play where he did a little half step which sent the defender Samba a full step towards goal and that's why it looked like he had all that room But he made all that room for himself just by faking a half step and then stopping it, it was really fantastic centre forward play and, and he looked bang up for it and like he was trying to somehow lead the team. Team, sadly... N- not really yeah. Not really able to respond.
0: No, and, and in the absence of Wayne Rooney, now question marks will be raised again about Rooney. Obviously dropped for the Blackburn game because he, he had this night out with the wife. It, interesting dichotomy in positions there, isn't there? Rooney's camp seemed to be saying that it was a quiet night out. Ferguson was, was quite stark, I thought. I mean, initially there was no, well, there has been no confirmation from United at all that Rooney was dropped officially, or fined uh, officially, but but, but Ferguson certainly intimated that he was dropped because he didn't train properly and, and the, the word is that it, he was worth for wear and that's uh, it's pretty it's pretty serious and, and without without wanting to jump onto the Newcastle game when Rooney was substituted about 15 minutes to go there, he, he didn't even look at Sir Alex. He slapped Phelan's hand and walked straight to the bench.
1: There's a series of interesting things. In the pre-match interview, he said that Rooney had had a few slight strains in training. Yeah, which was a lie, yeah, obviously. obviously. Yeah. And,
0: and, and so, so transparent that, that I think the world of press were heightened by that and thought "Uh uh-huh something's going on here
1: well what the first thing I thought was Rooney's broken his leg or his leg's fallen off or something if Sir Alex has said he's just got a few slight strains uh, because it's reached that stage with when the boss says there's something slightly wrong it means someone's dying but yeah it turns out there was all sorts of disciplinary issues and interesting I mean Rooney had sort of hit some form again uh, after a long period of very average performances caused by mucking him out with his position I mean obviously if the player steps out of line and you have to discipline him. I mean, the word is that Johnny Evans and Darren Gibson were also uh, disciplined. You would have thought that Gibson would have at least made the bench in that game. Yeah. So I ge- I guess that makes sense. I mean, Johnny Evans obviously still injured.
0: Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously Rooney really came back from Newcastle, so so Ferguson isn't holding a grudge here, and, it, and it, the word is that
1: Evans may well make the City game. I mean, we we need him. We really do need him. It's extraordinary, really, to think that of the two injuries, the one that's had more impact on our form between Evans getting injured and the video. Ditch getting injured is Johnny Evans. He was really the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle. He was the, the last piece that enabled Carrick and Jones to play in the centre of midfield together and us to have some coherence. Johnny Evans was in excellent form. I mean, when, when Vidic got injured, we, we managed to kind of ride that out to a certain extent. Because of the the cover that was available, but but when Johnny went down, that was it really.
0: Well, well, it's the it's the one that compounded the Vidic injury. Yeah, yeah,
1: the the straw the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back. Yeah,
0: So I mean, yeah, I, I don't think we'd be talking about Evans as a key injury if we had Vidic and Fernand fit fully. Of course not. Uh, uh, although you know, he's is, is Ferdinand. Question marks about Ferdinand's performance against Newcastle, of course. But
1: when you say question marks, do you mean a pretty dreadful performance from Rio against Ferdinand uh, against Newcastle?
0: Yeah, well, it's the two yards of space. He he gave the uh, attackers on every occasion. It was a poor performance by United against Blackburn, and it it was a poor performance that exhibited two things. I thought Uh, a lot of complacency in terms of the team selection, uh, and and that's not just because we we had a lot of injuries. There's plenty of we keep talking about talented youngsters that don't ever play, so either they're not that talented or Ferguson doesn't think they're ready. But you know some complacency in terms of uh, formation and team selection.
1: I, I think Ferguson thought we'd we'd walk that one anyway, but a very jointed side the performance of De Gea he, he really really genuinely did have a stinker against Blackburn I mean we've we've both been big De Gea supporters and I, th- I think that's you know that's not going to change because of because of one ball performance but, but we, I think it's fair to say that Fergie dropped De Gea and played Lindegaard because of his performance against Blackburn not not through any kind of rotation or anything like that first time in the season that it's happened yeah I mean
0: uh, a, a few a few clangers really I mean Yucubu's hit through his legs, uh, it, it's not, you know, it's a 75% mistake. I think it, it was certainly a clean hit. It's not a Taibi moment or anything like that. But, but, no, uh, de- definitely the third goal was a was a huge error. He got his positioning all all wrong there. And and that that's, that's proven, uh, and it's a cliche, isn't it? You know, all oh, big physical league, Premier League, he might struggle. And a few people said that, and it's proven so far to be the uh, hair's undoing. I think, and and uh, the the more the lack of confidence he shows. In in command of his area in that fashion has, has shown uh, the mistakes he's made too. And look. that there's, there's a lot of hysterical press reaction, I think, to David Hare. I've said it before, he's 20, learning new language, coming to a new club, not loads of experience at the top level and and we thought, before the season, I I have it in print, that I thought he would make mistakes and it would be a problem, and not that at any point did I doubt that he shouldn't be number one, because if you're going to go and pick someone with huge amounts of talent and say he's going to grow into the role, then you have to accept that, and that's United's strategy, and it was probably the right one, given the choices on offer. I don't think this was unexpected, but you're right the first time that the hair has been properly dropped and every other time has been rested and rotation although it has increased in frequency recently hasn't it so we'll see what happens I, I would assume that given it was a dropping that that uh, Lindegaard is now number one
1: it'd be really interesting to see who who plays against City I mean it's an FA Cup game which I kind of think we probably would have thought Lindegaard might be the more likely selection had all things being equal. Uh, I had a long conversation with my friend Joe, uh, that's at Joe Diego 24 on Twitter. He came around the other day and we were talking about the effect of that rotation, what is effectively a rotation policy in goal, because De Gea's first poor performance came after he wasn't the goalkeeper for a couple of games. I mean, it wasn't his first poor performance, but it was his, you know, it was his first poor performance for a little while and he's been immediately dropped again. And and. Our defences looked really shaky as well, and surely rotating the goalkeepers, is that going to work in in the way that we'd hoped it might?
0: Yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, not, not being a Premier League goalkeeper, I'm not quite sure of the effect that has, and especially a young goalkeeper, to, to keep losing his place. So uh, I don't know. There's, there's, there would be two scores, I thought. One is it's perfectly fair uh, take De Gea out of the fight, firing line and allow him to rest now and again the intensity of the Premier League and competition being unspeakable Spotlight Manchester United is great, so therefore it's right to give... Uh, uh, a ago and uh, I think that uh, broadly speaking the camp we were in uh, the other one might well be that you're breaking the player's rhythm and confidence and uh, he's more likely to make mistakes as a result of that and and if you're in that camp you've got plenty of evidence to show that argument
1: yeah and also I mean an unsettled back four in front of the goalkeeper and an unsettled back one in front of the unsettled back four in behind you know yeah
0: it can't it can't be helping either it really can't be helping either and uh, something has to happen there I mean Yes, injuries play a part, but... Uh, there, there has to be... I mean, it's got constant rotation, isn't there? And it's, uh, it can't be doing anyone any good. Really
1: sad to see Danny Welbeck playing on the left wing against Blackburn. Just think it, it's akin to playing Rooney on the left wing three or four years ago. Uh, just a complete waste of his talents and makes him look ordinary and gets the fans, who are not really thinking about it, frustrated with him. It's very, very unfortunate, I think.
0: In in a season that has not been wonderful so far, Danny Welbeck's a huge positive. I mean, he, he's really grown into it and uh, he looks like a really <laughs> (laughs) Classy player playing him on the left wing isn't going to do much good at all
1: no it's interesting because you know I so bleak about United this time last week we were recording a podcast on the back of two 5-0 wins in a row and a, and a 2-0 and a 4-1 before that it, it's, it's so hard to keep perspective because this this season has been one of incredibly hard swings you know 8-2 beat Arsenal 6-1 lose to Manchester City it's very difficult to keep perspective I think on, on it because at the moment it does just seem so incredibly bleak and the game last night as we record this against New Newcastle certainly felt like a bleak moment in our season
0: it was a very bleak moment it was a genuinely poor performance all round from United you can't whitewash that and and I know Ferguson attempted to do that basically because in his post-match interview he basically said it was it, to to paraphrase two freak goals and there's nothing that could be done about that and and I, I thought that was a shame really and I, I did, in a way I don't expect him to do any different because you don't expect him to, to slate his players. But actually, he could have said it was a pretty poor performance and Newcastle were really good. Uh, and I think to to summarise the game as United lost that because of two wonder strikes doesn't take the totality of the game. In fact is, um, I think I tweeted this just before the game, that it was going to be won and lost in midfield and a big test for, for Carrick and Giggs versus tot and Kabaye, who've been excellent this season. And, and the Newcastle pair were miles better. I mean, it wasn't even the same sport, They were so much better. And, and Newcastle were able to dominate uh, because of it, and they, they create the platform in central midfield. They pushed their fullbacks really high at the pitch. They they had an outstanding target man in Denver Bar, and they were just you know superior all round. And, and Alan Pardew said after the game that he thought three nil was a good reflection of the game. Yet yeah, I don't if it had been four nil, it would have been a good reflection of the game too.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Our front players all looked. Awful,
0: awful. Yeah. I mean,
1: but Park was playing uh, on the let's put in quotes left wing. Not, I mean, he's just it's so when he when he has brilliant games, it's it's super exciting to watch, and we all love him because he's done really important things in the history of the club. You know, he's been a really big part of the last however many years it is ten years or whatever five five to ten years at United. How long's he been there, Park? Yeah, about five, about five years now. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the really important part of that period and and his his legacy is will long be. Uh, but he's not very good. I mean, he really, he, he, he can be, but he's not consistently good, and he gives the ball away all the time and play breaks down around him. Nani, I mean, he's got the he's shaved the letter n into the side of his head which is the answer to the question should i be taking manchester united's set pieces y or n he's looked terrible and don't get an outrageously egocentric haircut and then put in two way 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 below par performances
0: which he has yeah and they were both extremely poor i mean i think about five minutes into the blackbird game you thought "Uh oh this is one of his off days because he was pretty horrendous all round against blackbird and then then this against Newcastle, he didn't offer any threat at all, really, against the. I mean, he had the one shot in the first half, didn't he? But um, that was about it. And in many ways, actually, it's a real shame that Valencia's been pushed to right back because he's actually. He was coming into form. Yeah. Right? And, and actually, and this is a criticism of Ferguson, if you think about three players who've been in form at times this season and been messed around. Carrick uh, didn't play at all in the early part of the season, came back into the side against Swansea, Has been was excellent, and then got shifted into central defence. Uh, not entirely Ferguson's fault there, but some of it. Valencia, poor in the first part of the season, looked like he lacked confidence, really came back into form, had a couple of storming games then shifted to
1: right back. And it's not like we haven't got alternatives.
0: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And uh, and Rooney, not so great in the first part of the season, really came into form and then shifted around again. So some of some of that there's a there's a question answer there. I mean, I know the calculation Ferguson makes is I need some experience because there's some younger players inside and, and that's why he moved Carrick back, he's like, Yeah, you know, I really have to do that. I mean but the other calculation was actually Fryers has looked pretty good in some Carling Cup games. Let's give this guy a shot. That would have been the alternative and then you, you kept um, what is the weakest part of United States team with a bit of stability in the carrick who who was excellent through november and december definitely united December Player of the month and could have kept him in there unquestionably
1: yeah and, and our midfield has basically fallen apart uh, Phil Jones had a complete shocker. I mean Newcastle's first second goal Newcastle's second goal was, a, was a, a stunning free kick but it was a pretty unnecessary free kick that he gave away Newcastle's first goal was a, a marvellous finish by Denver Bar questions about how much room Rio gave him but I mean it, it was some some. Re- I don't think Rio would have been expecting him to do that you know that, that was it was very top draw forward play but the the ball that let the, the headed ball from the goalkeeper's clearance, uh, Amiobi outjumped Jones with ease because Jones really badly mistimed his jump. Jones's best performances have not come at centre back. Y- y- you, the player Fergie, Fabio Capello, they all say that his natural position is at centre half. I'm I'm really really not convinced that as of right now we're better off with him in the centre of defence than we are with him in the centre of midfield where he's looking.
0: No, uh, well he's uh, I mean he might he might look more comfortable alongside Vidic who who would be the player. That- Attacking the ball, and Jones could uh, be the player on the ball. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Look, he is—he has made lots of mistakes at centre back, undoubtedly, and, and and crucial ones as well. And he had he had two games in the central midfield where he was good. Wolves and qpr they shifted back to right back in uh, in the game against Fulham, and it was good then as well. And I think he started the season, you know, sort of swapping with Chris Smalling at right back, and and he was excellent. And that's that's probably what he needs to do for the rest of the season—just take that right back spot, or, or you know, if he needs to fill in central midfield until cleverly and Anderson and, and co-office again then so be it but but I, I, I do stick with the position that uh, he is going to be a, a central defender of the very highest class once he stops cutting, you know, making the mistakes and, and I, I think that's what the player wants you're right Fabio and Ferguson want that too that's exactly why he bought him he played most of last season in central defence for Blackburn. a few games fair enough in the central midfield as well but that's exactly why United paid more than 16 million pounds to bring him to the club you don't spend 16 million pounds on a central defender and they'll go actually okay maybe maybe we need to shove him into midfield as an emergency and and you know maybe we won't is he going to develop from there would be my question uh, I, i'm not sure i think that's he's got plenty about him i don't think he'll ever make a world-class midfield he's potentially going to make a world-class defender
1: generally speaking when it comes to these things I, I assume that you actually know what you're talking about but i'm not sure i agree I, i'm really not sure that what i've seen of him i hardly ever saw him for Blackburn last year so I don't really know what I'm talking about but since he's come to United the times when I've been super excited about him has been those games where he partnered Carrick and they look brilliant together now in a midfield two against two brilliant midfielders you know that that is of course we haven't seen that but but you know, at the moment, in a in a in a central defensive two against one excellent striker, he's he's really struggled. So I don't know, and, and and you could say that he was he was kind of personally at fault for all three goals yesterday. Coming coming back to this,
0: where's the evidence that he's he's a midfielder of any kind of note? I mean, he played in a three against Liverpool and was pretty dreadful, I thought, and he played uh, against Wolves and QPR, who are pretty meek. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I mean, you know, fine, look, wisdom of the crabs and all that. Well, we'll see. I, I don't see it. I don't see a, a Roy Keane, Brian Robson type figure. I mean, I, I know I joked about it on Twitter, but I just don't. I don't buy it for the moment. And maybe he'll add something more to his game, but I think he runs around like a headless chicken. So, I uh, which is what he does at centre half as well.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a defining quality. He's a very charming yeah. headless chicken, though, isn't he? He's very endearing, even in, in in disaster. Do you know the reason why people are so excited about Jones? Because he yeah. has all
0: the component parts. Yeah, he can pass the ball. He's physically great. He's uh, he looks classy. He, he's He's, he can tackle you know, superb late tackle against Newcastle before it all fell apart and at Ditto against Fulham after the uh, Clint Dempsey elbow incident and at times he's looked you know, all right in central defence but he's you know he's always been a mistake wa- waiting to happen all the flexibility so all the component parts are there we just hope it comes together in time the guy's 19 it's his second full season and perhaps we ought not to expect so much of him I mean the, the issue is he has been used an awful lot this season probably much more than anyone expected and and He's found it a more difficult transition in terms of the totality of those performances than perhaps Chris Smalling did. You know, Smalling certainly didn't make any horrendous errors in his first season.
1: It's not all doom and gloom at United from here on out, because we'll get players back and get better. I, I'm always loath to criticise Bergie's team selections because of everything he's won. I think he's made some pretty big mistakes in the last couple of games. I think the complacency, as you say, the, the team selection against Blackburn looked like... I mean, <laughs> it's funny, you accuse him of compl- complacency but you literally said on the podcast we could put a bunch of youth you know our under 15s out and beat Blackburn so complacency was rife throughout the fans as well as as Fergie but it was oh, a very yeah, a very yeah, complacent team selection and i i don't understand i mean i guess he must just not Rafa de Silva must have just be so far out of favor as a right back at the moment it it's untrue
0: well he he didn't even make the bench for the game against Newcastle so i wonder whether he's not quite fit there though he was on the well <laughs> central midfield for much of the game against Blackburn and then moved to right back sort of after half time yeah. wasn't he so I don't know he might not be fit that might be why he didn't make it and then obviously Smalling's not fit so the, the option's somewhat thin on the ground again I mean there there are younger players that could have come in
1: the Friars, the Friars could have played at centre half and you could play Carrick in midfield yeah
0: yeah there are, there are options I mean yes the, the squad is challenged by a very lengthy injury list uh, that is reducing I mean Anderson is back fit now we no idea what kind of performances we'd get out of him cleverly there was some talk that he might actually feature against city i would be surprised
1: how how is Ander- how is it possible that anderson is both fit and looking incredibly like spelt he doesn't you know he hasn't got the post injury post injury bloke no he's, he's
0: not gone on his his normal fat ronaldo diet has he so uh, maybe the penny's dropped hey february he was supposed to be back and he, he was back before the year was out
1: R- remarkable he's,
0: he's come back early and looking trim so well maybe Maybe we'll get some performances out of him I mean you know
1: I am not going to hold my breath but but let's hope no but we, we, we could sure use them uh, Rooney looked completely and utterly uninterested against he Newcastle really did. he was uh, his arm flapping worst well actually his arm flapping wasn't even that bad he didn't even look bothered enough to flap his arms
0: and, and so almost every pass he made uh, didn't come off it's a really odd performance and uh, it's been a while since he was hauled off before the end of the game when United were chasing uh, someone on Twitter said it was Blackpool when United were chasing from 2-0 down and and uh, I guess that's a while ago it's a rare occasion that when United need to win a game that Rooney has pulled off but
1: but he was terrible and um, when when Berbatov was taken off uh, after 60 minutes or so I thought it was kind of an injustice reputation aside and and overall contribution in the last five years or three years Berbatov's case aside on the balance of just pure form you would have taken Rooney off and put someone uh, Cheech or Welbeck on to play with to play with Berbatov but you can't do that really I kind of I kind of understood what he, why he
0: did it it was it's, it's not about Berbatov's form per se it was, it was yeah. trying to open the game out because you know United were getting battered in midfield I mean, I mean you'd you'd kind of you'd almost go let's go a bit direct here and, and try and turn the game around and I know Carrick you know, tried to hit a few longer passes and stuff like that. So I, I wasn't wholly surprised. Mind you Hernandez did come on and was offside three times in a row very, very quickly, wasn't he? So.
1: you're not allowed to complain about Hernandez being offside though because he scores so many goals from fractionally onside positions. It's it's just his game. It's Pipo and Zaghi, you know, it's he scores a lot of goals and yeah sometimes he's offside. That's it's the price you pay. And it would be good if he if he changed the ratio a bit. A really, really odd for Ferguson to start with Burb Berbatov and Rooney up front. I thought, given how ineffective they've been compared when when playing against, playing with each other compared to one of them playing with one of the two more mobile, younger, off the shoulder, of the last defender types.
0: Yeah, you, you're right. Rooney's looked much better with Welbeck this season and than at any point basically in the last three years with Berbatov. It just doesn't seem to work that pair. I, I think a lot of the time, oh god, going over old ground. But a lot of the time, it's because Berbatov and Rooney take up wrong positions. But yeah, and and it kind of been shown actually I think the last few weeks has played quite high up the pitch he hasn't really played in any kind of shadow forward uh, position
1: he's, he's scored some good goals as a result he's a striker he's a striker the, the, he confuses everyone because of his ridiculous skills yep. so everyone thinks he's a trek artista because he can do all these magic things but like you've said so many times on this podcast it, it's his creativity in the box that's that stutter step goal I was talking about against Blackburn was a brilliant bit of out and out centre forward play but super smart sophisticated silver Centre forward play because that's what he's about. That is what he's about. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's uh, is there that any player that we're
0: we're absolving of any guilt over the last? Over the last two weeks,
1: I mean, it's, yeah, it's... I, I, I don't think you. I think Michael Carrick is pretty blameless. Actually, he didn't play brilliantly in central defence, but that's because he's in no way, shape, or form a central defender. And he played. He didn't play badly yesterday, uh, partnering Ryan Giggs, who how a 38-year-old Ryan Giggs is part of a midfield two is truly, truly mystifying to me.
0: Well, I'll I tell you how because because Darren Gibson is so out of favour, he didn't even make the bench for that game. And... And God knows what's gone on there. And Parkwood's so so massively dreadful against Blackburn that Ferguson surely couldn't do it twice, so that's how Giggs started it wasn't a lot of surprise to me that he did, uh, many people might say that Paul Pogba sat on the bench might have been given the opportunity, but he wasn't or indeed even Anderson, who's barely had any football of course, and that would have been a risk starting him, so that that's how uh, and and we have so few resources in central midfield uh, and, and that's why Ryan Giggs is still getting a game, I mean, they, to come back to your point about Carrick, yeah, I, I mean he didn't have a dreadful game against Newcastle the fact is that 2v2 Newcastle's Kabayi and Tioti were were way better than Carrick and Giggs I mean that's the platform they built on I mean if you swap the two around right dump Carrick and Giggs in the Newcastle side and and brought the two Newcastle central midfielders into United the game might have changed
1: completely Valencia I'm also going to absolve of responsibility playing out of position not really doing too much wrong fair enough uh nanny's crossing before we move on from slating United players who have done incredible things and and won trophies and been instrumental in in all our recent success nanny's crossing it's beyond a joke how bad he's been in the last two games he's crossing it's it's and, and the the free kick and corner taking thing is beginning to seem like like Fergie is trying to prove that he can win the league with one hand tied behind his back i'm going I said this last year he's going to win the league even though Nanny takes the corners
0: yeah. <laughs> maybe that's it maybe i mean there's some some uh, good debate going on on twitter today about uh what, what would be ferguson's greatest victory greatest a- achievement because uh someone had said that if he manages to win the league with this pile of guff that we have right now that that'd be his greatest achievement and matt dickinson from the time said no his greatest achievement was winning the treble in 1999 i have to say i'm with matt dickinson on that one i think mean, it's a far greater achievement to build a winning side that Plays with style and a kind of that kind of fearless, a fearless style that United had at that time, and and it entertains and inspires and all of that far better than overachieving with what is a, a by comparison average team or at least feels it you know, 13 years later. So, so the point being, uh, I don't think if yeah, you know, clearly Ferguson is not making any kind of calculation and uh, look how good we could be if we do it uh, with with Manny taking awful corners. I, I do think it's an error not having anyone in the in the side that can uh, take a set piece here we, here we go against uh, Newcastle Kabai puts the free kick into the top corner fantastic free kick and the co says every team has a couple of players that can do that with the ball these days and I, I thought to myself <laughs> no no they don't no everyone maybe but United doesn't we haven't had a player who can take a decent corner since David Beckham left the club in 2000, summer 2003 and of course we thought that Ashley Young might be able to do it but he seemed to have caught United-itis as soon as he came to the club and his first his call hits the first man every time
1: It's just ridiculous how often our corners hit the first man and when they don't hit the first man they don't exactly fly onto the top of a United player's head very often I just I just wish every single one of our corners would just take it short it's got to that point Nick from Man United Youth said last, last season kind of better for us if the ball goes out for a goal kick to them than a corner to us and it's almost not a joke that at this point it's almost more useful for us for them to have a goal kick. Yeah because
0: we might win back possession. You know, well, look fair enough I mean why don't United take corners short but Barcelona take almost every single corner short. Watch a Barca, Barca game after the, the winter break and I, I'd be be happy to lay some money on that they won't take more than one corner long. Almost every single one because they know that possession is king and, and in, in fact you know I know a lot of goals are scored by set pieces and so on and it can make a real big difference and it's important and for some teams their entire tactical system is built around it you know naming naming those names stoke
1: stoke <laughs> it, it, you have to be able to hit a set piece for that to work
0: right so united would be better keeping the ball yeah working the team working the opposition out trying to move them out of position and then uh, then going from there
1: yeah so that's it we've put the world to rights ed and without mentioning signings this was all within glazonomics. our fixes for the squad's current malaise yeah, what, what was it? <laughs> play play players in position and keep the ball from set pieces. It would make an enormous difference, those two things. It, it, would, it would make a bit of a difference,
0: yes, uh, certainly the first one. That, uh, the the Glazenomics bit is, it's, look, I, I hate to be a fan that goes on, it's, it's all about signings uh, because it's not always all about signings and Ferguson is right when he says that it won't always take you all the way and there's some pretty good statistical analysis that will show that transfer fees are not a good barometer of success, wages much closer and the United of course are are slipping behind some rivals there you know pretty near the top but in European terms not but here we have the poorest central midfield we've had for a long time given Carrick's had a very good couple of months but the resources are are pretty thin on the ground even when everyone's fit Uh, it's it's crying out for some money to be spent to to fix the problem And, and and anyone says there isn't a problem just needs to look we didn't have an injury crisis when the mighty Basel and Benfica dumped us out the European Cup and and, and, and in the course there was no fluke there we played six games and were poor in every single one of them this isn't a fluke United's squad has degraded in quality you you let players of high quality go or age and don't replace them then that's
1: what's going to happen I mean yes I agree. So, having put United to rights, is it, should, we, should we take some of the listeners' questions and see, see if we can come up with exciting, creative solutions to those as well? Let's do it. We've had a question from Avoncat10 about Jones in midfield, but I think we've covered that. We've had a question from BS1878MUTD asking, what is wrong with us? I think we've covered that as well. Uh, well, maybe he's asking about
0: us. I mean, the, aside, aside from the mental deficiencies <laughs> and the inability to predict a score ever, and and, and the fact that we, we sometimes don't even know what game it is the next weekend. Uh, and, oh, and the fact that we're... What was it? Glory
1: Hunters, we've never been north of the Watford Gap. Yeah, that, that,
0: apart from all of that, we do know how to build a viaduct, and so
1: it's all like okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, w- what's wrong with us? M- many things. I drink too much tea. Is that something? Oh my God. We, we didn't have it on the rundown, but we should... Should we even talk about it? They're a, they're a complete... Disgrace. Yes. Well, we, we we've gone over this uh, many times, haven't
0: we? But is this a case study in the worst possible handling of a PR crisis ever? Yes. Oh, it's got to be right up there. Is, is it? Is it a case study in attempting to deconstruct all the good work that's been done in uh, trying to kick racism out of football over the last thirty years? Yeah. Single-handedly, they're trying to do it. Uh, the entire world, as far as I can tell. Uh, Media commentators, players, managers, organizations, NGOs, uh, anti-racism campaigners. The planet is in one camp. Luis Suarez and mass cultish denial of Liverpool FC
1: is in the other camp it, it's incredible it is and, and I've said it before and I will say it till I am blue in the face if United were behaving this way I would be distancing myself from that club and saying that really is it for me and them it's, it's what they're doing what they're doing all joking aside is a complete disgrace and they are making racism in this country worse with their actions yeah absolutely well
0: I mean, you only need to follow, uh, you know, red and white cop bulletin boards or Twitter feeds of, of many people, even sensible, even sensible, you know, educated, well-written, well-published Liverpool fans such as Paul Tompkins uh, are spouting out the same party lines. And I have to say, I, I think when that happens, you, you do start to, I was joking about, you know, using the word cult, but it is, it is kind of, it's mass think Uh, on a global scale and Dalglish is the ringleader here and we now know from the FA's report that it took him 30 seconds to devise the strategy and the strategy was smear Patrice Evra and that's what they've done ever since it's total denial and smear Patrice
1: Evra yeah and it's worth pointing out United Funds that Patrice Evra has never falsely accused anyone of racism in his entire career never just in case you bought this idea that somehow Patrice Evra runs around the country the world accusing people of being racist and then Going off into his fancy mansion laughing about it Never once Racist abuse is a a terrible, terrible thing And what Luis Suarez has been found to be guilty of by the FA Is not an innocent misuse of language It's racist abuse Yeah Why did you kick me? Because you are black Yeah.
0: Say that again I don't talk to blacks. Say that again, I'll punch you. Go for it, blackie, blackie, blackie. It was uh, it's utterly disgraceful. I mean, we can talk about these as facts now, because there's been a hearing. Uh, we talked about uh, how it was set up before. It was set up very much like a civil hearing. We know that from the, the full report. I spent hours not writing Rant Monthly and reading through that in minute detail. And uh, it was very much like a civil case it tried uh, you know, with the preponderance of evidence required to, to find a fact they don't even really talk about guilt in the report. It's, it's uh, finding a fact hearing. And and they found, in fact, that, that he used the word negro or negro on uh, an important distinction there for Kenny Dalglish. He used it on seven occasions, and it, it was in the course of, of a heated argument. He used it as a lever to try and wind Patrice Evra up successfully, he used it while also physically abusing Patrice it was, uh It was actions of the most disgraceful kind. And I actually thought the eight-match ban was, well, it was factually the eight-match ban, was the minimum uh, under their own system so he got two for the abuse he got another two because it was racist and it was you know a multiple of two because of the aggravating factor because he, he used it directly to patrice ever Uh, so that was the minimum he could have got i I would have been tempted if i was on that panel to run that for every charge seven and run them consecutively
1: the whole thing makes me really really sad it really does i I felt awful reading both times they've put put a statement out about it it made me quite emotional because they don't know the damage that they're doing They don't know. They think, led by, you know, Dalgleesh very much at the helm as Ferguson would be if this was United, although I I hope and pray he would handle it with more dignity. But, you know it's coming from Dalgleish and maybe maybe the owners as well are, are on board with this but they, they don't understand what they are doing I mean the amount of racist abuse uh, knocking around Twitter Liverpool fans just being openly racist you know somebody tweeted at me you know he deserves what he gets the so and so mank slave and it's like you know the club is stirring this up I know that that's not their intent I know that Liverpool FC are not trying to make the world more racist they're trying to create a siege mentality defend their player get the fans on side make them all feel like you know but it's so misguided because what Suarez did is not an innocent little jibe gone wrong and also it doesn't make Luis Suarez the devil that he was racist to another man on the pitch and it doesn't mean that he hates all black people it means that he doesn't know what it means that at the very minimum he's incredibly ignorant about how okay or not okay it is to use racist language to try and wind up your opponent Mm -hmm. you know And, and that is a crime in football that is worthy of a ban anyway I'm um, stop ranting sorry it's, it's very upsetting it's you know,
0: you know look, the summary of all that is that Liverpool have acted in an absolutely disgraceful way and and it's a real shame that the FA probably doesn't have the stomach to go out and charge Liverpool in some way with bringing the game into disrepute because they really should yeah because they are yeah they are An excellent piece by Lord Osley in the Guardian today about uh, about this and she, he some. He Summarises the whole thing and and calls on Liverpool to make an apology and, and says they're making things worse and and I think Suarez's non-apology apology, classic politician's apology that was, yeah. wasn't it? You know, say say if there's any offence, uh, I haven't done anything wrong, but if anyone took any offence, I'm you know I'm generally sorry for it, uh, or I'd like to. He didn't use the said so I'd like to apologise for it, and and of course there's been no communication with Patrice ever That's the person he should be making an apology to, and he should he should say I am sorry for what I did.
1: And he should have said it the day after because uh, we wouldn't be having this debate now if he'd done that. Um, Herman Olsley's thing was was wonderful it was it was so good to see and it's it's really reassuring to me to see that this is not about united and Liverpool the reaction to this is, has not been on club lines it's Liverpool are saying one thing a lot of Liverpool fans are saying that too because they're buying into the idea that they should just as a lot of united fans would be if the if the situation was was different you know a lot of united fans would be swayed by the club saying something you know holding a party line to that extent because because there is an expectation of belonging and towing the party line within football
0: hmm. well they do Ferguson said there's no value in the market and everyone agrees <laughs> with it you know and, and this is way yeah, more serious of course. way more serious and, and, and I'm not trying to be glib about racism it is it's it's a destructive factor in in society and I would hope if uh, the, the boot is on the other foot and and the United player is ever accused of this that, that uh, United would be a lot more circumspect in their communication I yeah, know they would in they fact would. because that's just and that's the nature of the club they they certainly would and and you know i hope that is never the case and uh, i hope if it ever is the case united deal with it properly and liverpool certainly have no
1: absolutely and it is good to see that it's not just united funds that are a bit upset about what liverpool are doing
0: so uh, that massive aside we're in the middle of any some twitter questions are, are there any
1: more for us to be going on with We've got a very very important question here from uh, happy hero uh, who says given our midfield woes is it time that fergie breaks out the g-bomb
0: oh god well, I mean, look. He, in all honesty, he would have been better than Park or Raphael in central midfield, for sure,
1: right? Maybe. and I promise I'll never say this again. Uh, Darren Gibson might have been a better selection than Ryan Giggs in the centre of midfield against Newcastle.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe. Look, I mean, uh, if you see, there was uh, Michael Cox's piece in the Guardian today basically saying look down the ages and, and uh, the classic Fergie duo midfield is a passer and a runner you know I, I know that so it's a pretty simplistic analysis but Scholes and Keane or, or Fletcher and Carrick or, or whatever it's you know fair enough I think the problem I've always had with Gibson apart from that he, he uh, he's
1: neither a passer
0: nor a runner He's neither passing, he's definitely not a runner, and he's the first you know, he can trap the ball further than I can pass it to, to paraphrase George Best. But having said that, he'd have definitely done better than Park or, or Raphael.
1: And maybe Ryan Giggs. Which is not to say that I think that Darren Gibson is better at football than Ryan Giggs. I will never say that, I promise you, listeners, ever. Good, good. Even when Darren Darren Gibson is thirty and Ryan Giggs is fifty, Ryan Giggs will be better at football than him. Tom from the Red Dead Podcast, which is an excellent Manchester United podcast, asked whether we should to play. Jones at central midfield in the short term, assuming no signings, but mould him for a centre back role in the long term. And that's that's kind of I think exactly what you were saying, isn't it, Ed?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that probably is my position. I really hope he turns out to be everything I think he'll be in, in at centre back, because I, I think he could be you know a combination of the next Ferdinand and God forbid we say it, the next Terry. I mean he's clearly a more classy footballer in, in many, many senses.
1: Let's hope he's a more classy man. I mean he's a very young man, but a Frosty tips aside he's, he's not shown any terrible character flaws not yet of a John Terry like variety at Iker Nagan 88 says, "Do you think that Jones, so far this season, apart especially the NuFC game, could he be considered one of England's best centre backs for Euro 2012 no, no, he
0: won't. He won't be, and I, I, but I think he'll go because I think he offers a real amount of flexibility. I mean, you'd, you'd be mad not to take
1: him to be in the squad because of where you know. Yeah, absolutely. He, he'll go,
0: and he may well be understudy a right back or, or in in central midfielder Scott Parker and, and
1: and all of that. Yeah, and and if
0: you know push comes to shove, he will put him in. Into the centre of defence, but you no. Know, as things stand, who knows? You know, he seems like a smart man, Phil Jones. He may well learn very quickly. I mean, it could be by the end of the season, we've forgotten all these horrendous errors because he's he's cemented a place in the the centre of defence and he's performing brilliantly. So he's come a long way in a very short space of time, Phil Jones, and uh, had a lot of games in a very for for a defender, a central defender, had a lot of games in a very short space of time as well, and that's unusual as well. So he's probably on a very steep learning curve.
1: Yeah, at. Carl Faye 87 asks when will we be ready to concede the title to Man City because it's getting embarrassing at the moment I mean how do you lose to Blackburn at Old Trafford well you lose to Blackburn at Old Trafford by having half your senior squad missing through injuries and underestimating them and and making a bunch of pretty complacent team selections out out of position players I'll be ready to concede the title to Man City when we're out of the title
0: race the day they have more points than we can possibly get is the day I'll concede the title to Manchester City and then even and then I think, mentally, I won't be able to concede the title to Manchester City because it won't be legitimate. So there you go. Never is my answer. Never. They shall not
1: pass. <laughs> That's the most beautifully red-tinted view I've ever heard. It won't be legitimate when they win it. So that means that we've won the title every season since Arsenal last won it, right? Because Chelsea's, Chelsea's were illegitimate too. Well, on a more
0: serious level, there, there is City in the FA Cup this weekend and then we're, we're home to Bolton, you'd, you'd think... Three points. So Bolton won a couple of games in a row now, haven't they? Uh, uh, shout out for Tim Howard's goal against Bolton. Oh,
1: lovely work!
0: <laughs> Ninety-five yarder, stunning, stunning stuff. Uh, uh, he didn't celebrate, which was nice in a way. I suppose it was uh, goalkeepers' union and all that. So, but but after Bolton, Arsenal away big game, Stoke at home, you'd think three points, Chelsea and Liverpool double header followed by double header with Ajax so it's a big, big period in February. If we come out the back end of February having lost another couple, could happen, and City are streaking away then you might say, okay, it's probably done we come out and we're just about level, you know, in touching distance going into March and April, then there's another, you know, eight or nine games left in March and April and, and we'll still be in Looking
1: it. Looking at the odds on Betfair, which is generally a pretty- pretty like decent reflection of how likely the world in general thinks things are to happen United are more than 3-1 to to win the title they're 100-30 to win the title and uh, Man City are 8-15 to on which is almost 2-1 to on which means if the league plays out from here three times that the community at large expects that Manchester City would win two of them and not win one more of them and United would need the league to be played out from here four times in order to be guaranteed of winning one I don't know how I feel about whether that's an accurate reflection or not because I think a lot is unproven I think there's there's a few things I thought about the title race in, in the aftermath of us losing to Newcastle. One, it's a terrible opportunity missed to put some pressure on City as the Blackburn game was. We don't know how City would cope with that relentless Manchester United winning every game from second place that we've done so often. The other thing I thought of is it's not Arsenal that we're chasing down this time. There's no evidence so far that City will break in the way that Arsenal did time and time again when we were chasing them down because they didn't have that kind of mental toughness. There's a lot of pretty mentally tough players in that city side, I would argue. And... They've just got huge amounts of quality. I mean, it's it's as you say, it's illegitimate. It's financial doping. But the, the fact is, they they've got a lot of a lot of very talented players. I think the betfair odds are about right, actually. It, they they have the quality there.
0: They have the depth. I I, I mean, depth in quality, not depth in numbers, maybe. And uh, and you'd say, look, the only the only thing that's unknown in all of that is is how their players will cope under the pressure of a title run. And and we don't know. Look, lots of big players there have been at big clubs. There's there's not much. Doubt about that bit. What the doubt is as a collective, and and how Roberto Mancini is able to handle that pressure. But he's won titles in Italy, right? There's there's no more pressurized environment than that. No,
1: absolutely. And you know, I think when I think about the city side, I think of about well, three players. One of them, Balotelli, which I think about for general amusement but you know that their, their two most important players are uh, Yaya Toure and David Silva I think Yaya Toure he played at Barcelona for many many years has, has won a lot is a kind of complete kind of beast of a man a leader on the pitch a very kind of inspirational figure to play around I'm sure I don't know what he's like as a person but you know just on the pitch he's a huge presence and and David Silva is the kind of player that any team in the world would be happy to have
0: in their first 11 I mean it kind of brings us on to the, the derby at the weekend doesn't it I mean Yaya Toure is out of that he's he's Ivory are not allowing him special dispensation that's a massive bonus for United I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a fair contest if if Carrick and Giggs, or Carrick and Park, or whatever combination of Carrick and and a n other was was lining up against Yaya Toure, Nigel De Jong, who well, I actually can't get in the City side at the moment, David Silver and, and the rest of them, with eh, it. So this might even it up a bit. And, uh, actually, I think David Silver has gone off the boil a little bit over the last few few weeks. I mean, from a very from a massively high peak, I've got to say. You know, yeah, we should have a player like David Silver to go off the boil. So that evens it up a little bit. I mean, they they all. Pick I guess four from Johnson, Milner, De Jong, Barry play midfield. So it's 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 it's, it's, it's almost a fair fight uh, for the weekend, which which is which is good. If you want you want United to claw back some of this somehow. I mean, it, I I can't understate how devastating it'll be not only for a City to knock us out, but it's a a tournament United can win. Uh, if we knock City out, would be one of the favourites. We'd Be the favourites. The favourite and a realistic chance of silverware because you know probably the most realistic chance of silverware this season if we uh, if we knock city out and then and then um, obviously you know the mental factor the the opposite united city beat united uh, god forbid it's another hiding and they'll be full of massively full of confidence uh, for the league title run we we will be you know chasing their tails uh, God knows what's going to happen in the Europa League we don't know how Ferguson will A approach it and, and B how all those games will affect United and there's some very strong sides in there so you know it, it's, a, it's a it's a huge game this is the weekend huge game in many many ways
1: Awate's asked us whether we can question Sir Alex Ferguson's sanity I, I want solutions from him and as usual none are suggested and knowing his history of saying doing slash not being able to do anything uh, after a defeat we still have a hope that he'll quietly see Slipping, in it was a bad loss, we bought Goetzer and, and Via, but instead he can do nothing, and Awati says that scares him, that, 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 that really the Glazers are shackling Fergie, and he's, he's not doing anything about that.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I uh, rather embarrassingly now, wrote a very similar piece in The Guardian about six years ago, where I said to quote, uh, I, Ferguson seems to have no idea how to turn things, he's been shackled by the financially, and has no idea how to turn things around, he certainly had an idea how how to turn things around and a lot of that involved a ton of money I mean, He spent money on anderson and nani which yeah nani's case eventually came good i think and since case the jury is very much deliberating its verdict and and owen hargreaves and and dimitar berbatov and and so kind of turned that around so it's really hard to say right now ferguson doesn't know how to turn this around the, the issue maybe isn't does he know how to turn this around but but you know can he in any way I mean, it, there's there's you can only do so much Uh, with the resources at your disposal and and if uh, other sides have more financial resources are able to buy and pay better players uh, and it happens over a period of time uh, that United's relative competitiveness gets eroded then there's very little Ferguson's going to be able to do about it
1: now of course the flip side to that is when he took over the clubs Liverpool were the dominant force in English football and we saw them off and then Arsene Wenger assembled an extraordinary side at Arsenal and we saw them off and then Chelsea came along and invested staggering amounts of money and Fergie saw them off. Yeah, absolutely. And now City have come along. The problem is, it's unfortunate to have to talk about this, I don't know whether he's got time to see them off. Yeah. Because actually I think if Fergie was even 65, you'd say, well... I'm afraid that he can come along and and have a go at this, but it it's not going to work in the long run because Fergie will find a way. Now, the, the 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 one thing that I think he's doing maybe, and and we're not we're not quite seeing the fruits of it yet, and and maybe the long-term picture is is rosier than it would otherwise be, is that I think he's pretty serious about this crop of youth players in a way that that hasn't been the case in the in the recent past but but as you say they've not been backed on the pitch no they've they've not been i mean some of the
0: some of them have been but but there's question marks over every single one of them isn't there uh you know phil jones we've talked about Uh, anderson can we even class him as a young player anymore four years at the club now he's 23 johnny evans ditto question marks about that you know hot and cold some fantastic games recently we rightly praised evans but but that's not always been the case rafael and fabio injured constantly cleverly, uh, you know, repeated injuries over a career that, that uh, looks very promising if he can stay fit. Welbeck, uh, we've said how well he's performed this season. Mm-hmm. If he can stay fit and stay in the right position, uh, he could be a real massive asset. Then move down to the next tier and they're basically not getting a game So, and, and, and it's probably because they're not ready, right? But they weren't even getting a game in the Carling Cup, uh, which was a disappointment to me personally and I think to many Reds and, and, and that's Morrison, Pogba and, and a few of the others. So do we get to see anything of morrison pogba larnell calls been on the bench a bit Ezekiel fryers uh jesse lingard so there's a few of them i'd love to see them in the cup but you've got to beat city first right you know i said how huge this is i don't think bogus can gamble with the side at the weekend at all uh, if we draw a non-league or a lower league side in round four then that would be great and that, that I, I presume that fixture would be slotted in between the, the games against ajax and maybe if, you know a few of the younger players. Have Play in the Europa League if, if we get past Ajax.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- th- there are definitely an interesting crop of players coming through. Uh, Will Keane with a little cameo in the Blackburn game. L-
0: little cameo that involves blocking a shot on the Blackburn line. Nice defensive move there, Will. Yeah, welcome to welcome to the first team.
1: I I said in the rank cast immediately before that I thought Will Keane might be making an appearance sooner rather than later. It was
0: very very prescient. Yes, and and uh, I think I think you know it wasn't a wasn't a standard out by any means but i think i think we saw what we see in the reserves i mean he's a player who is very very mobile and got, has got a lovely touch so uh, yeah he, he will be he'll be given opportunity at some point
1: I love the way the kids come on Uh, this has happened when Ravel's come on and and when Pogba's played and and Will Keane as well they all have uh, the same movement they all have a kind of pass and move obsession as soon as they give the ball they go and it's like does that just fall out of some of our senior players because they play too much you watch the reserves they are it is all about pass
0: and move and pass and move and so was the youth team last season and uh, they're technical side and and very good with possession most of the time that's how they coach the players and and it should in theory get a lot Better. the elite performance planner, that has many critics is, is definitely good for a club like United who can not only cast the net a lot wider but spend a lot more time coaching
1: question from at Michael underscore 089 thoughts on Craig Levine's claims that Fletcher's had his condition for four years that's unbelievable
0: isn't it shocking that one is isn't it yeah that's uh, that's new information and puts into perspective Fletcher's last contract somewhat uh, interesting interesting call there well look the, the issue with this one is, is can United afford for Fletcher to become the next throw in Hargreaves? Uh, I th- I'd say we can't, right, for the right balance in midfield. So if it looks like Fletcher's going to be out for a long time, he's had this condition a long time, it's one of those that just doesn't get cured and it could come in cycles. United do have to replace. There isn't an obvious replacement in, in, in the youth setup uh, or reserves at all, so it's going to be have to hit the market. Or we've got to hope that Ryan Tunnicliffe, whose uh, loan is being extended to the end of February, suddenly uh, gets in the Peter Breton because he's he's not really had a, a huge amount of game time and and really matures quickly so which which I wouldn't put a load of money on so I mean if we want that kind of destructive energetic box to box force in midfield it's going to have to
1: be in the absolutely market. and and as you say it does put a really interesting spin on his last contract and just a quick question which I'm really interested in the answer to this as well. Um, hoping that you know Uh, at Perry Illitt asks who was the last central midfielder that United bought was it Anderson Hargreaves in 07 yeah right well there you go about time to break that streak I would say I
0: I think so so predictions for the weekend
1: I don't think we're going to win I think we're going to get beaten and knocked out of the cup that's what I think yeah sadly I
0: do too and I hate being like I don't think I've predicted a United loss in three years of podcasts
1: no we often get accused of pessimism on this show and I I should definitely point out that like I I am a super, super optimist in life. I I'm always look on the bright side wherever there's a bright side possible. But yeah, we often get accused of being pessimistic on this show, and we do, you know, draw out a lot of the flaws and fallibilities in United's performances, much as we sing from the rooftops when, when praises need to be sung. But we ne- almost never do either of us predict losses. So both of us predicting a loss, I think we can be pretty much assured that United will win on Sunday. I think if, if Torre was available and and Ballas tell
0: was fierce and and silver was in great form and and all of that had been the case i, I think it would have been uh, uh, it would have been bending over without the lube and i think we're at least a bit lubricated now so it might not be as painful as i might once have thought so i'm going to go plump for a 2-1 loss
1: i'm just really depressed about your analogy now so i don't really want to continue i i i, th- I think that 2-1 is a, is a reasonable result and I'll, I'll say that it's going to be 2-1 as well listen i i, I I really 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 hope we're wrong about this. And and also I would not be massively surprised if United found a performance from somewhere and looked really impressive again because, you know, this team definitely has the capacity to do that as well. If if United end up winning 3-1 or whatever, I I won't be shocked. But I just think that, you know, head versus heart, I think it's it's looking like a a, a home win, which is just terribly sad. If you would like to be entertained uh, during the match, you can join us over on unitedrant.com. where i think the two of us are going to be live blogging the game
0: yes an experiment for rant the first in rantcast live and it's live
1: (laughs) yeah it's on ITV in it so there'll be no one saying and it's live except us so yeah please please do join us for that and of course we would very much love it if you could join us on the rantcast again next week hopefully celebrating our continued inability to correctly predict united results
0: and remember folks no time to panic